0: Heavenly Father, just want to thank you for gathering us here all together once again to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray, Lord, you will protect our hearts, and may we surrender our pride. Lord, we choose today to lay down our rights and our crowns. And, Lord, we look to you, Christ, our King, and we surrender our worries. We surrender all of our burdens, and we lay them down. We lay down all of our offerings, Lord. We lay them down at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we choose today to follow you and to hear from you. And not just to hear, but to listen. Not just to listen, but to follow and to put into action. Lord, as you transition now to the message, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here listening, Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, O God. For you are a holy God, and we surrender ourselves to you, and we put on the breastplate of righteousness, and we surrender our hearts to you, Lord. We thank you, we love you, we pray all these things, and your precious Son, Jesus Christ, me pray. And God's people, pray, amen, amen. amen. and amen.
1: amen.
0: Uh, God bless you, church. Uh, let's just take a moment to greet our fellow neighbor at this time. Welcome to the house of the Lord. It's good to see everyone here on this beautiful Sunday morning. As you know, for the last three weeks, three including today, uh, we've mentioned and referenced Matthew 1, uh, the genealogy of Jesus. Jesus and what we need to understand is that Matthew 1's version of the genealogy of Jesus is Joseph's line uh, the father of Jesus the earthly father of Jesus and the passage that I'm going to introduce you today is found in Luke chapter 3 and this is the flip side of that coin and it's going to show us Mary's line of Jesus of how jesus came to be so the title of today's message is called the son of david just like the song that we just sang just now hosanna to the son of david what does this phrase mean this title the son of david matthew 1 we're familiar with it so i'm gonna skip over that but please go ahead and read so in your own time matthew 1 1 through 17 again that's Joseph's line. But today, we are going to talk about Luke chapter 3, specifically verse 23 to 38. So Matthew's version, it moves forward. So for example, it goes from Abraham to David to Jesus, right? So it's in order. So it's easier to understand. But when you read Luke's version, Luke, he gives us to us backwards. So it goes from Jesus all the way back to the origin to Adam. So let's go ahead and let's read Luke chapter 3, verse 23 to 38. Okay, verse 23. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought of Joseph. The son of Hili, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Negai, the son of Math. The son of Mathathathias, the son of Simeon, the son of Josech. the son of Jodah, the son of Joannan, the son of Risa, the son of Zerubbab, the son of Sheotiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melki, the son of Adi, the son of Kosam, the son of Elmadam, the son of El, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Shorim, the son of Methot, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Meliah, the son of Menah, the son of Matha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed. The son of Boaz, the son of Sammon, the son of Nashon, the son of Abinadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Seruk, the son of Ru, the son of Pelek, the son of Ebel the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxat, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Amen and amen. So who is the son of David? Who is this person? Who is this individual? An atheist, a skeptic, will see it differently from the ones who have faith. So as believers... Coming from a perspective of a Christian, here is our answer. Who is the son of David? Point number one, Jesus is the true king. That's what it means. Jesus is the true king. As King David was the first king of Israel, the true first king of Israel, not Saul. Remember, he rebelled against the Lord. He was stripped of his crown. And God put David in place. It means that Jesus is a lineage, the genealogy of Jesus. As we see it in verse 31 here, where it says the son of David, and then it goes to verse 32. The son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz. And we're familiar with the story of Boaz because it's found in the book of Ruth. Just like Naomi. Remember the mother-in-law? We know David. We know Jesse. Jesse is the father of David and we see the genealogy, we see the lineage of the kingship of Jesus Christ through Mary's line. So we understand that Jesus is the true king. This is what the Lord tells David in 2nd Samuel chapter 7 verse 11 through 16. It says, "The Lord declares to you, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Verse 12, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. The Lord is promising to King David that even when you have died, when you're in your grave, your offspring is going to succeed you. And who is this offspring? And we know as Christians from the perspective, not from an atheist, not from a skeptic, we know that it's Jesus Christ, your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Verse 13, he is the one who will build a house for my name. Remember, King David was trying to f- build a physical temple, a physical church, a physical temple for people to come and worship the Lord. It is Solomon that completed the temple, but here it's a spiritual language. It's a spiritual vision and it's saying that he, meaning who is he, is Christ. Christ is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. And he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. Talking about the crucifixion. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever. Before me, your throne will be established forever. Amen and amen. Amen. Proving to us that Jesus is the true king. Jesus is the one who has fulfilled the promise. Amen and amen. Again, point number one, Jesus is the true king. Point number two, Jesus is the true Messiah. That's what it means. Jesus is the true Messiah. So the title, the son of David, Even in the song, Hosanna to the Son of David, is way more than a physical lineage, genealogy. It's more than that. The term Messiah, the word Messiah, it means the long awaited one, the long awaited king, the long awaited deliverer, the rescuer, the one who will rescue us, the one who will save us, the one who will fulfill and build a house. For my name, and that the Lord will establish the throne of Christ, his kingdom forever, as it was promised in 2 Samuel 7. Means the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord, the one who has fulfilled all of the Old Testament's prophecies. That's why if you look at two references here, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 15, specifically in verse 22. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, came to who? To Jesus, crying out, Lord, what does she call him? Son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. She's saying, you are the king. You are the king of kings and you are the Lord of lords. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Matthew 20, verse 30 to 34, it says two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 31, the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them, what do you want me to do for you? He asked, Lord, the answer, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. They were able to see with their spiritual eyes, spiritual lens, that Jesus was the son of David. And keep in mind in these two passages in Matthew 15 and Matthew 20, Right before they say, son of David, what do they say? They say, Lord. Lord, Lord, son of David. Lord means Messiah, the king, God, the son of David. Jesus is the true Messiah, that's what it's saying. Son of David means Lord, Lord. They're admitting who he is. His dominion over their lives. That Jesus, you are the king over my life. That even though I was born without sight, even though my two daughters are demon possessed. Even though I have this disease that cannot be healed, I know that, Lord, you are in control. You are sovereign over me. You are the son of David. The genealogy, the lineage, the promise that was to come in Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 3 is a fulfillment of the promise of the Old Testament. Everything points to one person is to Jesus Christ. That's what we need to read the Bible from beginning to the end not skipping any verses, not skipping any chapters, not skipping any books in the Bible. We cannot cherry-pick the ones that we like. A lot of pastors teach these heresy, heretic teachings where they say, you don't really need the Old Testament because we're in the New Testament, New Covenant. And they neglect the Old Testament. Or they focus only on the Old Testament not believing that the Messiah has come. But we, as true believers, we know that Jesus is the true Messiah. He has fulfilled the promise. And we see it all throughout Scripture. You know, Scripture is amazing. And it's fun (laughs) to put it together, to put the pieces together as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. It's the greatest book. It's The book is alive. Even if you read the Bible and you read it again the next year, you're like, whoa, this was in there? It's constantly alive and moving, transforming hearts, speaking to us. But let me share with you uh, just some references. Uh, Let me use David and John the Baptist as an example. Don't confuse John the Baptist to John who wrote the book of John, the disciple of of Jesus who wrote the book of Revelation. This is a different John. So David we know, King David, and and let me just talk about John the Baptist because these two individuals who lived in completely different time period, they call Jesus Lord. How is this possible, you will ask, when King David... We just read in the genealogy. We just read it in Matthew 1. We read it in Luke chapter 3. Isn't King David Jesus' great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather? Like, how can a grandfather call Jesus his grandson, Lord? And is not John the Baptist. Isn't he older than Jesus? His parents, Zechariah, Elizabeth... Barren, old in age. How is it possible that John the Baptist, even the parents of Jesus, Elizabeth, Zechariah, how are they able to call Jesus Lord? Let me give you reference. Luke chapter 1. Let's go to verse 39 to 45. It says, Mary visits Elizabeth. Again, Elizabeth is much older than Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in a hill, country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Again, Zechariah and Elizabeth are the parents of John the Baptist. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, the baby leaped in her womb. Who? John the Baptist, who was in the womb of the mother Elizabeth, leaped with joy, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The mother of my Lord. So we see here, not only John the Baptist calls Jesus Lord, which we'll see later, but Elizabeth... The mother of John the Baptist sees Mary, the pregnant Mary, with Jesus in the womb, and she, she calls him, Lord, my Lord, should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb, leaped for joy. Verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Let's continue. John 1. Verse 29 to 34, now, this is John the Baptist, he's older now, right? This is the older John, he's grown up. John the Baptist, John testifies about Jesus. Now, I can't specify exactly his age, but we could assume that he's at the age of maybe 31 or so because Jesus started his ministry at the age of 30. So John the Baptist, it says, John testifies about Jesus, it says in verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I'm going to read that again. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. If John the Baptist is older than Jesus, how can he come before him? Because John the Baptist was born first. He's older. But we know because Jesus is God. He was there in the beginning. Fully man, fully God. That's why he says, he came after me. Yes, physically he came after me. I am older, but he has surpassed me because he was before me because he is God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. Verse 31, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptized with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that this is God's chosen Son. Amen and amen. And right away we see Elizabeth, John the Baptist, older than Jesus, even as Jesus was in the womb of Mary, they call him Lord. They call him the Chosen One. They call him the Messiah, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of this world, that he came before me. Let's look at David as an example. David the king. Again, the great-great-great-grandfather of Jesus. It says in Matthew 22, referencing Mark chapter 12, referencing Psalm 110. But let me just go ahead and read these three passages, or these two passages. The third one is where they take it from, Psalm 110. But let's go ahead and read Matthew 22 first. It says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The heading says, whose son is the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put, my, put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Mark chapter 12 is the same, same story but from a different gospel. It says, while Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he asked, why do the teachers of the law say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? The large crowd listened to him with delight. And where is this coming from? It's taken from the reference of Psalm 110, where David, he says, the Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So many years, even before David knew of Jesus, he would call him Lord. And we understand from these passages, point number two, Jesus is the true Messiah who fulfilled the promise of the one was to come into the world David knew Elizabeth knew John the Baptist he knew as well but mainly John the Baptist and King David so how do we apply this what does this mean to us as Christians why is this phrase the son of David important well it's important because it helps us understand the fulfillment of the promise of the Messiah. That the Bible is not just some made-up fairy tale where someone just did some drugs and was, whoa, and they were inspired. But we know and we understand that this is the living word of God, and it's a fulfillment that came and was fulfilled. And it's fulfilled in who? In Christ. So when you read the story of David, when you read the story of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, of David, and what the Lord did in his life through the lineage of all the stories from the beginning, from Adam to Noah, to, from Abraham, all the way to David, from David, we know from Ruth, Boaz, to, to Obed, to David, from David, all the way from the book of Malachi, from Matthew to Revelation, we understand that's a fulfillment and it points to one person. And it is Jesus Christ. So how does this apply to us? What does it mean for us as Christians? Point number three, you will either crucify him or you will be crucified in him. Which one is it? It's one or the other. It's one or the other. Again, you will either crucify him or you will be crucified in him. So, the question that I want to ask you where do you stand? Where do you stand, man and woman of God? Which one is it? Which one? The Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. You cannot. Either you will hate the one and love the other. You cannot play for Lakers one day and the next day you play for the Brooklyn Nets. It's just not possible. You're either loyal to one team or you're not. You can't bandwagon to the team that you want to be according to that day, to how you feel. The Bible makes it very clear you cannot serve two masters. You will either hate one, hate the one, and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. It is one or the other. You will love him or you will hate him. No in between. One or the other. Love him or hate him. But you must not dare Stand in the middle as a critic. Remaining in the middle. In the crowd. If you're in the crowd, you're not with him. You need to be in him. You need to be crucified in Christ. In other words, you will either call him, letter A, you are my Lord, the son of David. That will That is what you will declare each day. You are my Lord, the son of David. Or B, you are not my Lord, just a fairy tale. Don't kid yourself, don't fool yourself, don't fool others saying that you are my Lord when you don't believe that he is the son of David. That he has not fulfilled the promise that was given to us from the beginning, from the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of the promise that he is our Lord, meaning he is the son of David. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 to 21. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Again, I'm going to say, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. But thanks be to God, praise be to God. Our righteousness was not gained through our merit or through the law, but it was gained through Christ, the son of David. The Pharisees, they could not stand Jesus. At least they were honest. And that's better than someone who's standing in the middle. Just like what Jesus says, I wish you were either hot or cold. In the book of Revelation, he tells that to the Laodicean church. I wish you were either hot or cold. I wish. Not in the middle. The Pharisees, they could not stand Jesus. They understood what the people meant when they said, and they called Jesus with the title, Son of David. They knew what that meant. These religious and proud leaders were so lost in their pride. They were so prideful that they lost sight and they could not understand and they could not claim for themselves that Jesus, you are the son of David. And these two passages below, it shows us that they never had sight to begin with. Meaning they were indignant. They're filled with anger, rage. In other words, that definition, indignant means foam to the mouth. They were so angry that people can call Jesus the Messiah, the Son of David. Look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 15. When the but when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw that saw the wonderful things he did, that Jesus did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. They were what? They were angry. They were foaming to the mouth. They were so angry to the point they wanted to kill Jesus. Matthew chapter 26, verse 8, When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. Even the disciples were indignant. And we know who started that. Judas. And we know what he did. We know what Judas did, betrayal, kiss of betrayal to Jesus. And then what did they end up doing? The chief priests, the teachers of the law, the leaders, they all gathered together and they plotted together to kill Jesus. Again, it was meant to happen because it was to fulfill the promise, the title, son of David. What was the promise? Let's go back to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Specifically, let's go to verse 14. Actually, let's do it from verse 13. He is the one who will build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. And that's what the people there, they gather with devil in their hearts, sin in their hearts. They plotted to kill Jesus, but they could not find a way to do it because all the people hung on his words. But eventually we know the story of the crucifixion. You will either say, You are my Lord, the Son of David. Or you will say, You are not my Lord. Just a fairy tale. Those who are in between, you need to make a decision now. Because if you don't make a decision today, most likely you stand on the ladder. Or you say, Jesus, You are not my Lord. You are just a fairy tale. Because those who truly have faith and when they see the phrase, Son of David, they will understand. A lot of Christians will read this passage. And they will skip over that part in Matthew 15 and Matthew 20. Son of David, the title, Son of David. They don't think much into it. But now we have a deeper understanding that is all tied together. Going to Matthew 1, Luke chapter 3, the genealogy, the lineage of Jesus where the king and that woman said, Lord, Son of David. Or the two blind men, where they said, Lord, Son of David. Lord, Son of David. And when we call on Jesus, and we call him the Son of David, and we understand that phrase, meaning, Son of David means he is the Messiah, he is the Savior, he is the King. Meaning, when you accept Jesus Christ, When you follow the Lord Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. As Romans tells us, you shall be saved. And then the story ends with Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. That's a promise for you and for me that's given to us. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask the priest to come up. And I want to end with Psalm 110, verse 1. And the writer here is David. And just, I want you to imagine King David's life, the hardship and the triumph and the trials and the testing that he went through in his life. The path that it took for him to become the first king of Israel. And then the Lord speaks to him. Holy Spirit prompts his heart, which leads him to write Psalm 110. He wrote many songs. One of the greatest writers the Bible has ever known. One of the greatest worshippers the Bible has ever known. The greatest king that the Bible has ever known. And he says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies. A full for, for your feet. At this time, David had many enemies. He, had, he was going through many trials, many attacks in his life. And it was a promise given that the Lord will protect him. And that Lord will fulfill the promise of his offspring. Which is who? Which is Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. Amen. So Jesus is the greatest of all time. Amen. Amen. There is no one greater than Christ. Because the Bible teaches us in the end. And I want to encourage you to read the book of Revelation. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. There you go. There's a stamp right there. That's how we know because it tells us in Revelation 22. Jesus literally says to us, he makes a personal letter to us. He declares it to us. He says, I... Who? Jesus. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root. And what? The offspring of David. And the bright morning star. Fulfilling the promise, Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 3. Amen and amen. I pray that this will bring you a lot of encouragement, especially in this new week that we're about to enter. And I want us to end our service with worship. If you could all stand to your feet with me. Let's just sing from the beginning. You are the king of glory. And as we sing this, may we understand the phrases and the title given here. Where it says, the King of glory, the King of peace. You know, this year, I wanna do a lot of uh, the phrases that people say, phrases that are mentioned in the Bible. And I want us to have a full understanding of what these titles mean. Where it says, the King of peace, the Lord of Lords, the son of David, the son of man, what do these titles mean? As we grow deeper in our understanding of who He is, may we not focus on our circumstances and our situations, but may we focus on the Lord and who He is. Amen. Amen. And today, let's declare and start with a song, "You Are the King of Glory." Let's sing together. You are. You
1: are the King of glory. angels bow down before you they worship Hosanna. Hosanna Hosanna to, to the, the Son of Day Die of so again, start from the beginning.
0: you're the king of glory. Let's build it up and worship together the truth.
1: You are the king of glory. angels bow down before you they worship and adore for you have the words of eternal life you are Jesus Christ Son of David Hosanna to the King of kings Glory in the Highs heaven For Jesus the Messiah raised.
0: Heavenly Fathers, I want to thank you for reminding us of who you are and how powerful you are and how amazing you are and how amazing it is to know the scripture and to have the scripture with us, the word with us. Lord, you are in us and you live in us. I've been crucified with Christ. Lord, you are my Lord and you are my king and you are my everything. So God, I pray that our sole focus, our main focus in this life will not be in the things of this world, but will be found in Christ and in Christ alone. We surrender our hearts to you. We lay down all of our burdens, our rights, and our crowns, and we lay, lay them at your feet. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. Amen and amen. Amen. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches, for us who are here today. Church, are you listening? Church, are you hearing? Church, are you doing? Church, are you being? I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. Amen and amen. Amen. So, God, we surrender our hearts to you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you, we love you for this word for this message here today, for who you are. Thank you for reminding us of whose we are. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. Pray all these things. In your precious son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 Let's all turn to our final and closing song, The Path of Life in Jesus. Let us worship together. go back to our seat again remembering and meditating on today's message may you remember the odds of Mary and Joseph with the genealogy and meeting uh, that specific time for the Messiah to come into this world the chances of that you know is impossible right no one can plan that it's not possible Thanks be to God that he orchestrates everything, that he's in control of all things, of time. So may we not grow anxious, and may we not learn to compare ourselves to others, but may we understand and hold on to the promise that the Lord has given to us, and walk in faith day by day, each moment at a time. Amen? Amen. One day at a time, may we trust in him, may we trust in the Lord. And with that, let's pray together for our benediction. Let us pray together. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and continue to be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and provide you peace. And now, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he continue to work within you what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, the Son of David, to whom be glory forever and ever. In God's people we pray, amen Amen. and amen. amen. God bless you. I love you. I will see you all in the back. God bless you.